This is episode 143 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 143 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have investor Mel and Dave on the show. They came back to do an update episode with me here today. They've been very busy. They've more than doubled the size of their portfolios. Today, we talk about creativity. We talk about systems, about scaling, about building a team, about investing internationally, including in the US. Just all the things that need to be thought about if you want to take it to that next level. Sure, we can grow on our own, but it tends to be slower than it could be if we grow with a team. And Mel and Dave share their story about how they never really pictured themselves building a team, but why they came to that decision and how they came to that decision and how they've grown since then and what difference it's made. So they talk about the major pain points and how they've really seen their lives change and time be freed up and enjoyment be increased by making these changes. So it was a great discussion. I really enjoyed digging in on that with them. And I'm confident that you're going to get a lot out of this too. Just before we jump into the episode, please make sure that you like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell on YouTube if you have not already done so and go ahead and leave us a comment let us know what you think it would be greatly appreciated if you take a moment for our audio listeners to rate review this podcast give it five stars on apple podcasts uh, just to help more people to find the show and hopefully help them in their real estate endeavors and wealth endeavors as well and without further ado episode 143 with investor mel and dave hello and welcome to the andrew hines real estate investing podcast i have on the show for the second time melanie and dave dupuis and uh, they're the authors of i forget the name but you are on amazon and can be found there uh, often going by investor mel and dave and um, without further ado i just want to give you guys an opportunity to bring us up to speed as to what you've been up to since you were last on the show which i think it was an episode in the 40s like it was early yeah 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 it's great thank you so much for having us uh yeah thanks thanks for thanks for doing this i know we were trying to arrange an uh, you know an in-studio uh version but we'll we'll settle for this one for now and uh, and get you back again awesome awesome great 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 yeah, so I guess to, to I guess to get you up to speed with uh, since last time we spoke, um, so in 2020 last year we bought 119 units. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like seven or eight million. Anyway, uh, of real estate, none of our own money, no joint venture partners. You know the same thing we always do. But uh, yeah, we doubled our portfolio last year, which was very exciting, very scary, very eventful. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. Now this year, 2021. Um, well, just recently, actually, we're looking in Costa Rica. We have an accepted offer. We're just doing our due diligence for pre-construction. Uh, is it three or four bedroom villa? Yes. Three or four? Doesn't matter. I forget. And then also in Mexico for a four bedroom villa. I was actually talking to BDO International this morning with their, their rep from Mexico about how to structure ourselves properly there with the treaties and all that jazz. So that's us. That's where we're at right now, I guess. Yeah. Are there tax treaties with uh, with Costa Rica and Mexico? Mexico, yes. Costa Rica, no. So now it's how do we want to own it through our Canadian entities or through our U.S. entities? But for tax purposes, it looks like uh, it's going to be Canadian entities for now. Yeah. So we really focused on growth last year, and now this year, really looking at uh, diversifying um, on in those areas and states in different areas as well. Yeah, and Andrew, kind of because I, I I was watching. I knew you were down in Florida. And I, I don't want to steal. I know we're going to dive into so many things, but it's funny because more and more now we're diversifying and everyone's like, well, okay, you're diversifying, but you're still staying in real estate. And it's like, well, yes, we have some crypto, you know, I think we have three or 3.25 Bitcoin, anyway, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then we have uh, no stocks or anything, but we're diversifying our real estate, but still staying in the real estate lane, which is super exciting. So uh, just yeah. going everywhere. Well, right. And I, and I want to dig into this because I think last time we spoke, you were really just hinting at the idea of, of investing stateside. And the, I guess this was like 2019 we talked, maybe even, no, it wasn't earlier than that. It was 2019. It was 2019. Um, 2019. Yeah, yeah. Pro- probably around this time. So it's probably, I think it's been almost two years since since yeah. we and did a catch up. As an investor, I mean, we're still using the, the foundation of how we've grown our portfolio and no our joint venture partners, no, none of our own money. Um, but as, a, as an investor, as as you shift and as you grow, you always want to be able to, to adjust and, and change. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing here as well. 
So are you invested like just the other side of the border? Because I think you're Sault Ste. Marie. Is that right? Or are you further north than that? Uh, we're kind of more uh, west. So North Bay. Um, north Bay. So we're like three and a half from, from Toronto. Okay. Um, but uh, we're looking in Florida, obviously. Some, okay. As you were as well. We've got the LLCs all created just ready. So we're looking at some short-term rentals kind of in the Orlando area, right? The Nice. Where everyone's, that's where we go in, in the winter. So, um, And then also just landlord-friendly states, Texas. Obviously, everyone's looking in Texas yeah. recently. Um, so different places like that. Yeah, there are, there are obviously a, a handful of landlord-friendly states you could choose from. It's really just a matter of finding the one where the cash flow makes sense. Um, what's on your radar as far as this is appealing to look at like what's your initial criteria when you're looking at a new location to decide if it warrants looking further uh the initial okay we're looking at two different things um which is obviously high cash flow and then we're also looking at different markets that are high appreciation so for example just to give you some ideas um we've been looking and i think it's jacksonville florida higher cash flow lower uh you know, for purchase price. And then we've also been looking in Orlando and Miami for that higher appreciation. And then for mm-hmm. example, other States, there, there's some places in Northern, like the Northern tip of Texas, and then all the way the the most Western tip as well, some smaller areas that have higher cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also we're, we're looking at like Dallas and Houston where it's going to be more appreciation. So honestly, now it's focusing on diversifying in the States, right. staying within landlord friendly uh, States, but then, having that cash flow today to keep buying, but then also having those massive uh, yeah. lifts with the appreciation in the next two or three, five years. Yeah. It's, it's great if you can get both. I mean, it's hard to predict appreciation. You can look at the trend, but you never know what's going to happen long run. Um, but I, that the one thing that, you know, tends to make sense is cash flow as long as it's been stable for a while um, that, that odds are it's going to stay. You mentioned Jacksonville I actually drove through there. It seemed like a, actually a fairly nice place. Like they have a decently nice downtown and, uh, that could be a that could be an interesting one. Are, have you pulled the trigger on anything yet in in the U.S.? In the U.S., no. It's funny we're negotiating something in Georgia right now. I forgot about mm-hmm. Georgia. We're negotiating something in Georgia. Um, it was to get everything set up initially, all the LLCs, and then how we have ha- we wanted to have kind of like the brains of the operation at the top and mm-hmm. and different things. We're also working on our E two visa, so not that that's slowing things down, um, but we're working with our taking some of the focus away from from the acquisition. Yeah. Visas. Yeah. Struggling all of that, yeah. So it, not yet. We don't have we as of this date. Uh, we don't own anything in the states yet, but mm-hmm. um, everything the infrastructure is in place now. It's to find that perfect deal. Yeah, yeah. It's been such a process for me too. Like the, the U.S. thing. I'm just closing on my fifth lot today. I think. Nice. <laughs> I think it's closing today. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I kind of got got some things on, on in the works in terms of starting to build down there. But it's funny, yeah, when you bring up the E2 process, now all of a sudden it's not just thinking about it for what's best from an investor angle. It's what's going to allow me to you know get that visa qualified so that I have the option to stay down there, uh, move that and make that your tax home. Is that is that something you're thinking about doing? Oh my gosh, so many. I know I mean, there's so many different things. So uh, uh, just to dissect, we kind of what you were saying there too, Andrew is, so the E2, uh, we had looked at a couple of franchises. Now we're looking at maybe doing some service type uh, industry where, where we're still hands-on, but we oversee it at a higher level. It's still going to be an active business though, right? We're still going to be participating obviously, and it's still going to take some time. So that's what the E2 thing, which is exciting. Um, and then the real estate as well is going to, is going to kind of go towards that E2. Uh, yeah. oh, I forgot the other thing you had mentioned. Um well, it was mainly just about changing changing oh. the the perspective of like you're not just yes. thinking as an investor, you're thinking about how do I get qualified, and then of course, are you planning on making that your tax home? Yeah, the taxes. Well, we're still going to stay Canadian for the time being. In the tax, we have kids, right? We have young kids, so still in school, still in yeah. school. So <laughs> it is attractive, though, moving our taxes to let's say a state like Florida, while still. Yeah. Uh, so we have looked into that. We've talked to the cross border specialists and accountants and CPA and attorneys, lawyers. So. That is maybe down the road, but as of, you know, the short two to three years, no. But we would like the, the option of having that, that E2 visa, just for flexibility. Yeah, that flexibility and also just set ourselves up for longer, long term, right? We were thinking about benefits for ourselves down the road, even though it wouldn't be right yeah. now because of the kids and also for the kids as well. Um, they'll be all, all set up as well. Yeah, definitely a useful thing to have. And I agree with you getting, you know, tax home 
not in Ontario would be kind of cool. Uh, Florida has no state tax. So, um, but just uh, not to graze over that, because I think it might be useful for some people thinking about doing this. What is the criteria to get that E2 as you've come to realize it? Uh, what was it? There was, uh, people will say that there's a minimum investment of 150K. Um, I don't, uh, from the immigration lawyers we've spoken with and our council in the States, there's no actual number. It was kind of yeah. more subjective. Um, so we were going to do it through real estate, but then again, it's, it's having a, a major portfolio and having an active role. So we're going to touch on that as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to touch on that active business again. That's the kind of be a service provider business. Um, like a property at, management business or something like that. We had looked at, I, I can't can't say it as of yet exactly what it is, but we had looked at a property management franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I forget what the other franchise was, but it totally wasn't up our alley. Yeah, there's yeah. I mean, there's so many. You can go something that's, you can go into hair salon. <laughs> you can go into different things that, that aren't, aren't close yeah. to being really Imagine safe. I own a hair salon. Like, yeah, right. You know, I had a guy tell me to, to buy an ice cream stand. Like he's like, it doesn't even need to be a hundred. They'll, they'll approve stuff for like 70. Meanwhile, I could put... $500,000 cash into something uh, real estate oriented and they wouldn't approve it because they don't want any debt. Like they want you coming in and buying a, a business all cash. So uh, I'm taking the angle of all cash on um, at least one build at a time and uh, <laughs> qualifying based on that. So um, the immigration lawyer, you, he's like, yeah, that should work. I can't guarantee it. Uh, so I guess if that doesn't work, then go back and try it. Um, you know, I'll start a real estate brokerage or something like that. So these are kind of some of the the thoughts that are going through my mind. And again, this is all just kind of the same as you. Like I'd ideally like to be able to stay here north of the border and then just go down there for the warm weather. Right. But uh, we'll see how things unfold and what's necessary and and what we decide to do. Um, Okay. So interesting to know you're doing that. You're getting uh, getting some money to work down south as well. That's uh, probably a little bit strategic in terms of ability to visit those places and Absolutely. maybe a tax write-off. <laughs> well, and, and that's the beauty is maybe stay yeah. at them. Obviously, you have to bear, look up, sorry, look up or check up on them. Well, even we're taking the kids to a trip in, in Mexico, and and uh, it's a fairly long trip. And we thought, well, maybe while we're there, we're gonna look at one of the places that uh, check out one of the villas we're buying, and hey, all of, of a villas, sudden, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Here, Mr. Accountant. Now yeah. you can uh, help yeah. me out of my time. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about it. Okay. So now let's get back to your, your organization sort of as a whole. You say uh, over the last year, you've doubled just the size of your portfolio, which means since we've last spoken, it's, it's much more than that. Um, tell me about how your organization has changed. I, I think last time we, were spoke, we spoke, you were just about to move into your office. I think it's probably the same one. And then you were going to do a perfect burr and pull a bunch of, a bunch of money out of it. Um, that, that sticks in my mind from our last conversation. Like, What's changed since then? Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so that office, yes, we moved in our, our office. And uh, we moved out of that office. We're into our new office. We purchased <laughs> our new, new office. Our new, new office. Of course, the same strategies. We, we bought it uh, using creative strategies as well. So went into it using none of our own money, um, no JVs, and, and uh, we're utilizing the, the entire top floor. Uh, with growing, we now solely own over 200 apartments. Uh, of course, that comes with a lot of um, additional team members as well to, to help manage uh, overall everything from from finances to acquisitions and everything else. So we've been uh, a lot of that as well. We've made some changes, uh, outsourcing all the property management, um, increasing the amount of, of team members, both locally and globally as well. And uh, we also have a, a large mentoring program as well. So we spend a lot of our, our time, of course, with, with uh, our nice. action takers. Yeah. So what are you um what are some of the key hires that have happened since then? You mentioned acquisitions as a part of it, property management. I think you already had some management uh before. Yeah, in the property management now we've completely outsourced it, right? To okay. uh, to a local property management company, but now uh, it's funny because we're adding a different team member such as like a well, we haven't exactly decided but the the name of the title is I think asset uh portfolio manager, asset manager which is basically going to oversee um, the property management here in our city, North Bay, and then also is going to be overseeing the property ma- the property management in Mexico and Costa Rica and then the states. So they'll be our kind of our, for lack of better wording, like our GM, our eyes and ears for the property management throughout mm-hmm. our, our portfolio. And then they're also going to help us with our acquisitions. Um, We've added two new 
clerical yes. as well, internal clerical work. Um, two new VAs, I think, since last time we were, we were on your show, um, personal executive assistant. So just, just extra support yeah. so that way we can, which is the nice thing about growing your portfolio is that the more you grow, the more you can delegate the tasks that you either don't enjoy yeah. or aren't good at. And, and that's the power of that. Especially when the, when the cash flows there, right? Like when you're buying into properties like you are, um, so you're primarily buying, is it in North Bay primarily or? Uh, well, yeah, that's where our portfolio was. And to be honest with you, we have liquidated some buildings as well, uh, Andrew, okay. obviously, to take some of those funds and, and send them south of the border or to okay. uh, the other two the other two countries. So, yeah, liquidating some of the buildings where we've gotten the lift. Um, and, and, well, it's uh, Monopoly, right? Yeah, go find <laughs> some other buildings yeah. now. Um, but yes. Okay. Okay. So primarily North Bay cash flow is, is it still a cash flow market for, uh, in your opinion, like still, still easy to do high cash flow? Can you still do perfect burrs? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's still like, it, like before it used to be an eight to 10 cap market. Now it's a, it's a summer in the eight summer sixes. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's still a good cash flowing market. Um, okay. Yeah, we're just starting to again diversify. We're looking out in Alberta too. I like how it's landlord friendly there as well. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it seems like a real opportunity out there as far as Canada is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Canada's still an awesome market. And that's right? the thing. And more and more, you'll see that as well. That investors, you can do this anywhere. You can invest globally. Mm-hmm. You can invest in your city or cross border okay. or cross provincially. Can we look at a, a recent deal that, that you've uh, done just to kind of get some context of, you know, what your sites are set on right now? Yeah. yeah so let's, we can talk about one that we did here. Yeah. Um, it would have been last year, but yeah, I, I okay. somewhat have the numbers in my head. I might be sure. rusty on exactly what it looks like. Oh, that's cool. Back of the envelope's great. That's the way I roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So what, what'd you buy? What was it? Okay. This one, it was $2.2 million purchase price. Um mm-hmm. This one was a mixed use. It has well it has it uh, eight, eighteen residential apartments, okay. all all one beds. Um, so eighteen residents has three or four commercials. One has a restaurant, has an office, and it has a martial arts. Yeah, so three. Okay. Three commercial. So that's what. And units. you seem to like the uh, the commercial and the mixed use. Is that is that something you you focus on a lot? To be honest, like it's so funny because we were anti-commercial mm-hmm. before someone I won't say who is a little bit more hesitant on commercial, uh, just because again I and I understand is that you know it's a lot less maintenance and and, and let's say day to day, but when there's a vacancy, it's longer, right? So we compromise yeah. and and go. <laughs> kinda, yes. it's yeah, anchored makes... by residential, but then there's still a commercial component. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I like, I like mixed use. I think it's nice, uh, you know, especially if you can get like a variety store in the lower level restaurant, it kind of serves the needs of the people who live above. So it's a, it's a nice compliment if you can have a mixed use building. Exactly. Um, okay. So you bought for 2.2. What did you uh, have to put into that place? 2.2. So this was a hundred percent finance deal. Um, so we used, well, through the mortgage brokers, we utilized a MIC. Uh, I know you know what it is, Andrew, yep. for the listeners, mortgage, investment. I never know if it's corporate company. Anyway, C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I just call it MIC. The, the mortgage brokers find them for us. So the MIC gave us, because of the mix use, because it's four hours north of, of the GTA, they gave us, uh, was it 60 or 55? Okay. I think it was 55 loan to value first mortgage. Okay. And then you just raised like promissory, no money for the rest. Then we actually had the seller initially mm-hmm. because I thought it was going to get 65 or no, mm-hmm. we thought that. And mm-hmm. then after they did the analyzation and they, they went back to their board or whatever, they decided to reduce it by 10%. Right. So we're thinking, well, mm-hmm. that's $220,000 on, on a 2.2. Um, so the seller had originally, uh, uh, had, the seller had originally agreed to hold 25% second mortgage. So I thought, you know, 65, 25, and I'll have to come up with the difference. Um, uh, what was I saying? So, but that didn't work out. And uh, because they ended up giving us 55. So then we went back to the seller because I was, I was okay with raising 10%, right? 220,000. So I thought, well, I don't want to raise another 220 for 440 into this deal. So we went back to the seller and said, showed them our cash flow analysis matrix and basically said, Hey, the deal still makes sense. Uh, either we reduce it. So from the 2.2 mil to 200 for us to still do the deal, or you are, are you okay to hold another 10%? So from 25 to 35. 
uh, and they wanted their price. So they, they saw our exit strategy. So they agreed to hold 35% second mortgage, what I think came up to like $770,000 or something. Um, okay. And then we promissory notes. So it was a nice mix. It was Mick seller financing second and then right. promissory note. Yeah. And this the- is where it's really important to always not be afraid just because it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out at first yeah. uh, to be solution driven, to, to be able to approach the owner yeah. again and explain to them uh, the deal. And you were in direct contact with the owner. This one, this one was, it was years in the making yeah. originally. Uh, it was through realtors. It went dry for about a year or two. And then he contacted us and said, oh, well, let's do it together. Let's let's kind of yeah. out the realtors. So we had to talk with our realtor and he understood, right. That it was, if we wanted to right. do it, it couldn't be. So a little bit of both. Gotcha. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's nice when you can be speaking directly because then you can, uh, it makes it, I feel like people, like I've seen some sellers do some just obnoxious things when realtors are involved and it's no slight against realtors. It's just what happens is you're almost dehumanized because they're not dealing with you directly. Ah, like, ah, screw him. He's trying to weasel me out of this. Meanwhile, if we could just talk, they'd see, I have, you know, pure intentions. I just need to make it work. We, you know, we can both negotiate and work it out kind of thing. Um, so it's nice when you can deal direct. That's my uh, point there. I don't, and I don't know the, the best solution for that. Do you guys have any tricks to, to getting into conversations with sellers directly, even when the realtors are involved? Uh, we have had uh, we have had some conversations, mm-hmm. but it, I honestly think the investor focused realtor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, part of is it is really part. having the conversation and, and letting yeah. them. I mean, finding the right agent first of all. They have yeah, yeah, of course. Focus, yeah, uh, that understand creative financing and really having the conversation. Don't assume that they're saying the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, don't mm-hmm. assume that they're saying, "Hey, Mel, they, they they own all these properties," or they're saying the right kind of things to build that trust. So don't be afraid to ask them, "What did you say?" What was the response? Okay, can you go back and maybe say this, this, and this? Just that yeah. communication piece has to be there because right. you're right, Andrew. There's there's yep. an agent and there might be another agent involved as <laughs> well. Well, there's usually like two, oh, right? Like you got your buyer's exactly. agent. So in my experience, yeah, like my brother uh, brother in law, um, we we just put an offer in on a trailer park, and nice. you know we're we're negotiating through a seller agent, and and then they're dealing with the seller. So it's like, okay, did you say this? And uh, <laughs> what they say? And yeah. uh, you know, just kind of telephone game right exactly uh, but all uh, stuff gets lost yeah, right it it's, does we're, we're yeah. human yeah. yeah exactly um okay so on this specific deal so 18 res they're all one beds you've got three or four commercial units 2.2 mil what did you have to renovate or did you have to renovate anything there to get it going we that one it was pretty again this is a was an awesome seller um he he took care of his stuff right it was basically honestly it was underperforming rents uh, mm-hmm. it, it was, so all 18 one bedroom apartments, he had just set a, a certain amount and honestly, literally every, as, as we had turnover, I think we would up by like four or $500, like not, not even exaggerating. It was just, they were underperforming. They were beautiful. Mm-hmm. They were up. They have somewhat of view of the lake. It, it just, and even uh, just advertising that, right. The way it's worded, the way it's worded. The, having the nice pictures. Right. So yeah, underperforming that way, the units were pretty much some of them as uh, as they would come up, you know, flooring, paint, nothing, nothing uh, earth shattering, basically. So it was but, basically uh, just a higher maintenance amount, more or less. Like your maintenance just included some turnover expenses and tidying things up. Yeah, exactly. like we, and we do the burst strategy, but we really, really enjoy finding the underperforming. Mm-hmm properties where they're just really underperforming we don't necessarily have to put tons of money or time into it because we just find especially with with so many units that it just ties up the the team too much right rather than be doing a little bit of, of everything uh, amongst all our properties instead of just focusing on the one building oh I, I agree i love i love building stuff and renovating stuff like for like the visual and like the the creative fun part of it but i mean if you can get away with not doing any of that trades and supplies you know and a constant challenge right so yeah. not having to go there is hugely advantageous <laughs> Agreed. um okay so what are we looking at on this um this property so re- i mean really you're just you're in for 2.2 uh plus your closing costs pretty much um what were you like what were you at for rents to start and where did you get to uh, off the top of my head I think the 18 apartments were roughly below a, a month. Let's say but they were fifteen to sixteen thousand dollars roughly a month. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he had it at like eight twenty-five or something for these one bedrooms, and we got them up to some of them thirteen, some of them twelve, some of them were huge with a massive view yeah. of the lake. So uh 
and again, I'm going back a year. So let's say the rents were at fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. and we were able to right off the hop. As 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 new owners come in, right, tenants get spooked and they give notice. Yeah. People were in school and they 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 graduated. So I think we had five to seven units switch over, which yeah. we're able to increase from eight to the minimum eleven to twelve or thirteen. Depending. So you're adding like three four hundred dollars a unit for every seven. time they turn over. Exactly. And then just okay. uh, negotiating with the commercial, they were on a month to month and we made it longer term stuff with, uh, you know, giving them benefits that don't cost us anything like extra parking spots, mm-hmm. increase their rent, get those longer terms in, which then when we went to refinance, they were happy with it. So um, I think that's what you're asking. Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I and I don't want to dig into some of the numbers, but I appreciate that. Yeah. Like just the th- thing, you know, pointing out that banks want to see longer leases on the commercial and they want to see strong tenants with a track record. Right. And especially with the mixed uses. And you know this, if you're buying them, Andrew, because it was a restaurant. And then obviously we all know what happened to restaurants. Now this restaurant stayed open. It was awesome. It's Mexican restaurant, awesome food. Um, so that, and then the, the type, the, uh, whatever you call it there, uh, MMA, right. Yeah. So he opened up again in the office, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. They wanted longer leases again, because we're four hours from the GTA. Right. So they mm-hmm. wanted that mixed use to have longer leases to, to satisfy the, the finances. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. A lot of times the bank just wants what you would want anyway, right? Like yeah. you know, exactly. longer leases are helpful. What would you, uh, yeah. what would you yeah. want to see? Yeah. What, what would you be looking at for annual taxes on that building approximately? Oh, geez. Like 10,000 plus, probably 15,000, something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. We'll just say 15,000 insurance on something like that. I'm guessing you're into like the 5,000 to 6,000 range, depending on how big it is. Enough. Yeah. It's a, it's a massive building. Yeah. Okay. So easily getting into that ballpark. I'm going to leave maintenance at 10% since you're doing some turnover, you're doing some stuff to, to kind of add value there. Um, building like that, are you paying most of the utilities? For the residential, yes. For the commercial, uh, it wasn't triple net. It was they paid their own um, their own utilities. I'm trying to think, what else did they pay insurance or did we pay it? I think for the bigger office, I, I, I'd be guessing here. To yeah. be honest with you, Andrew, I don't want to give you wrong info, but sure. yes. <laughs> for the commercial, some yeah. yes, some no. I know some it wasn't yes, triple no. net. Yeah, it wasn't okay. triple net. But so between your like gas, water, electric, sewer for a year, are you hitting like? twenty thousand dollars on that building yes something uh, like that yeah um and then management are you paying a manager there yep oh well it's one of our yeah oh it's one of your employees that manages it i guess it it was before but now it's outsourced so i still i'm still gonna have a year ago and i'm running my numbers yeah uh, okay What, what kind of percentage are you paying now yeah, and we we have a contract. We can't disclose with him because he's giving us a preferred gotcha. rate. Gotcha. Okay. But, what would a, what would a normal rate with him be then? <laughs> Let's say a, a normal rate would be what? Andrew, you can't make us go against our NDA. I or know. Our, I know. Uh, anyway, I'm just joking. Yeah. Normal rate would be what? What? Approximately. Some of them charge what? Some of them are eight. Some of them are ten. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. We'll, we'll call it eight percent there. So, uh, and then are you doing anything for landscaping, parking, snow removal, that kind of thing? Snow removal, I think, was how much was it a month there last winter? I don't know, put a couple thousand bucks, Andrew, off yeah. top here for the year. All, yeah, for that building it would be a lot more, but because the they do our whole portfolio, yeah. Okay, and I'll just leave like a five hundred miscellaneous. So I've got fifteen thousand for taxes, six thousand for insurance, maintenance eighteen thousand, which is ten percent. Utilities uh, twenty grand for the year. Management at eight percent, which is fourteen four. Landscaping two thousand five hundred bucks for miscellaneous. I know we're we're just kind of shooting from the hip here. It's a little bit rough, but just to give people an idea of what something like this would look like. Um, so initially, it sounds like your cap rate was around four and a half percent. Does that sound about right? Uh, no, we're forgetting the commercial income. So that was just for the oh, you, the fifteen thousand was just uh, just okay. the, the eighteen res. Okay, so office. so we'll do we'll do so fifteen thousand for the eighteen res, and then what were you getting on the commercial? I know the big office pays ninety k a year plus HST, so let's just use ninety thousand. Okay, does that come up to a month? I'd have to use my calculator. It's seventy five hundred a month. Yeah, it's a yeah. massive. It's over five thousand okay. square feet. Yeah. Okay. Um, the I think the restaurant pays fourteen or fifteen plus HST, and then the other one pays thirteen or fourteen plus HST a month ish. Um, 
1400 a month? Yeah, sorry. Month, yeah. Okay, so so the restaurant's about 1400 a month, both of them are? Let's say give or take, yeah. Ish. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll call them both 1350 Oh, no, my memory here, Andrea. I'm pretty... <laughs> I like it, though. Yeah. When it comes to those things now, so we don't talk. No, it's just good to get an idea. Like, it doesn't have to be entirely accurate, because I know we're going to be uh, in the ballpark. So, equals... Okay, so, yeah, that makes your cap rate look better. You were, you were like a 9% right off the bat, and... Yeah, well, and back then, pre pre COVID, right? That was uh, very typical in in our yeah. area. Yeah, eight to ten, yeah, ish. Okay, uh, so you said you got sixty five percent, or no, fifty five percent on the first mortgage. That would have been a twenty five year, I'm guessing, and you would have been what over three and a half percent, something like that. I think it was. To be honest with you, I think it was in the fives, interest only, because it was in. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would probably be five point five. I was thinking institutional. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I think fives ish and mm-hmm. interest only. Okay, and then we have two other tiers of financing we we've got to consider. So you had your your second mortgage, which is a VTB, and that one was at thirty five percent. Thirty five percent loan to value, yes, seven okay. seven. And then what what kind of interest rate were you on with that? Isn't it? Do we do the loan with that one? Yeah, we did. We did. I did. Uh, I don't know if I want to see it. A balloon payment at the end, <laughs> Andrew. We can't we can't disclose certain things. <laughs> I need my lawyer as, on this as one, an, Andrew. As an investor, you never want to yeah. disclose. Put something reasonable, yeah. Andrew. We'll I'm gonna say ten percent. Yeah. I'm gonna say ten percent. Um, okay, so let's just multiply this out and see what that looks like. <laughs> and divided by twelve. And I don't think it was as high as ten, but do it. Okay. No, that's cool. I figure you're getting a sweet deal. People can use their imagination. And then you had your, your P-note money, um, which I'm just going to say 10%. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you guys are uh, doing it cheaper than that. I know there's a, a range, but I don't want to pry too much here. It'll all blend in, Andrew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it all <laughs> no, I should have known from last time that uh, we were on your show, I should have came with like my Boom, boom, boom. My income, my expenses, my, but, uh, the pro form is in my head. Oh no, it's cool. Like some I put everybody on the spot. Some people are like, they love that. And some people don't like it as much. We'll, we'll call in our financial controller. Come with uh, yeah, all the books time. here. Yeah. On the third, on the third interview, they enter sitting with us. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I made some assumptions here. Um, initially if you were at a, so you had a, a 55% first mortgage, five and a half percent, that would be like $7,300 a month payment on a 25 year AM. And then you've got your 35% second mortgage. Um, I put that at 10% interest. Sounds like it's a bit high, but that would come in at 6,400 bucks. And then you have 10% P note, which would be 1,833. I mean, that that's a lot of financing. That's like $15,000 a month, 15, six, um, a month in mortgage and interest payments. But you'd still have cash flow in that scenario without even boosting your rents. So right in, zero down, cash flow off the bat. And then it's all uphill, or sorry, it's all downhill from there because you can just start adding on your turnover, right? You started doing like an extra 300 bucks a unit times what in the first year? Did you turn over like five units in the first year? Well, that's when we ended up, I think it's five to seven. And then went from, yeah, the... Yeah, eight fifty or eight twenty-five. You used to rent it out to twelve. Yeah, or, we again, depending on the unit. that big jump. Yeah, yeah. So even through you know five units increasing three fifty a month now brings your cash flow up to twenty-two hundred bucks. So all of a sudden it starts you know growing significantly and adding to your your overall portfolio. Now, did you end up going back and refinancing out that uh, that financing? Yes, the appraisers were here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're bringing it to the A lender through the uh, mortgage brokers. Um, now it doesn't qualify for CMHC because over 30% of the revenue or 30% of the floors, the floor plan is commercial. So CMHC doesn't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're going to go a lender, but not with CMHC insurance. Gotcha. So you'll be limited, uh, your 65% I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And are you typically going with credit unions up there or are you, are you going with major banks? On the way in, it's basically like the like the mix, the credit yeah, private or mix, yeah, exactly, because, yeah, yeah, they, just because of the creative financing. Okay with yeah. The, oh as yeah, as, yeah, But on the way out, yeah, it's an A lender. I think this one is it first Nash, but it's going to be like an A lender mm-hmm. uh, that the mortgage brokers are working on. Yeah, we're just waiting for the appraisals from mm-hmm. uh, from Colliers to kind of finalize, and then. Uh, Go see who who wants to fund it. Right. Okay. So that's an important point too. You're doing your appraisal before you know who's going to fund it. 
And that's the thing is the mortgage. And this is a great lesson, actually. Mm-hmm. So because of that, no, because we, it's funny because we tell our mentees, don't do that because the financial institution might ask for their own. Um, the mortgage brokers, the ones that the financial institutions, sorry, the financial institutions that they've handpicked, they already know that they're going to accept um, mm-hmm. the appraisal from Colio's International, right? They're, they're international. Yeah. It's a reputable company. So they already know that they're going to accept it. That's why we felt comfortable with pulling the trigger yeah. on it ahead of time. Yeah. And this isn't uh, advice to anybody, but I learned this from Carmen. Like she would always just with commercial, always just order her own appraisal first. And and then her attitude was, well, if I tell them I already have an appraisal, they're going to accept it. They just want a letter of transmittal. So you have to get a yeah. letter like addressing it to them. Um, and I've never seen that not work. I mean, I guess they, there would be an instance potentially if they had an issue with that appraiser that you happen to pick a bad one, but you know, don't pick a bad one, but <laughs> well, it, 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 yeah. no, I agree. Um, yeah. I like that you say that, Andrew, because it's been our experience as well. Yeah. And I would do that too, because I, if you know, like you don't want to just random appraiser. I've spoken so much on this podcast about knowing who your appraiser is. You don't want somebody who doesn't understand what they're appraising. So it's better if you can control that, you know, okay, they understand the value of that. They understand the approach and why it's worth what it's worth. Because otherwise you could get a you know, wildly inaccurate and unfavorable and value. And that's happened to us before as well, where they weren't, investor focus they weren't considering rent and those kind of things mm-hmm. are treating it more like a residential it's like well no we have to consider yeah. the income and the value that this cash flowing property and you're bang on it's uh you may not get the same and and if ever that happens and you know that it, it's worth more don't be afraid to to get a, another a second opinion it can be expensive though right commercial appraisals you're getting into you know I think we're paying like fifty six hundred for the one we're doing right now. Like yeah. they get, they can really get up there. But bigger picture, if you're th- if you're yeah. talking tens of thousands, right? Yes, predetermining who you're going to use if you're able to choose um, ahead of time. Yeah, it's key for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, know know your appraiser. Um, if you do happen to make a mistake, yeah, what's it? What's it in the grand scheme of things? I was just interviewing someone yesterday and was talking about you know. What's it for me to give a bonus to, you know, my contractor when I'm making this much money, you know, like keep kind of greasing the wheels, keeping things moving quick. It, <laughs> sometimes you just got to make it bigger picture, right? What's, you know, what's $5,000 in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. All right. So that sounds like a very interesting deal. I love hearing the numbers from up there. Wish we had those numbers down here. <laughs> Instant cash flow when you have all this private money on the deal. Um, you know, 45% funded with private money and still cash flowing is uh, something that's challenging to do. It's not impossible, but it's more challenging down here for sure. And and yeah, 100%. And we'll have people, well, you know, social media, we'll have people saying this doesn't work. And, and it's like, well, that wasn't the only deal we looked at. We we've looked at this deal for years. We put we mm-hmm. put in the work. We've looked at other deals. So it's not just looking at two deals and going, oh, this hundred percent financing or ninety percent financing or as high as you want doesn't work. It's you have to find the deals. Yeah, you have yeah. to find the deals, and it's also thinking bigger picture. If you're wanting to, let's say, invest in and let's use the GTA as an example, knowing that okay, yeah, the cash will be not be as high as we're getting here. However, let's look at bigger picture here. Your appreciation mm-hmm. is likely going to be significantly higher than mine over five years, let's say. So although I'm cash flowing more every single month, when we refi, you're likely to have a, a higher appreciation as well. So, it's, it, And if you divide that mm-hmm. and you take all the numbers into consideration, um, you could still do really, really well, even if it's in a hotter market. And I don't know if yep. I can tell a quick funny story on that, Andrew. Sure. Uh, I don't, anyway, but on that subject, we had a mentee or we have a mentee that because it's saying the same thing. So we're saying, oh, this duplex makes us eight hundred or a thousand dollars a month cash flow. And they were going, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And I had I have a townhouse or a condo and I bought it for X amount and it's been two and a half years or three years and I'm refinancing and pulling out two hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. And I was like, take that two hundred and fourteen and divide it by thirty-six months. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're making over a thousand dollars a month yeah, cash flow. You blow your- the thousand dollars out of the water. So it's just a different way of looking at it. It's a different yeah. way. You know that. I, I, I certainly do. And I, the only thing I'll qualify that with is yes, that's fantastic. It's just for me, it's so hard to rely on appreciation historically, but now with all the money printing that's going on, it's almost like a, <laughs> nothing guaranteed, but it feels like a lot more guaranteed than it ever was. That being said, I still, I, there's still gotta be a cash flow play there for me. I, I gotta find a way to do that. Just, just so I'm not left, you know, holding the bag if, if uh, something does happen and the market does fall and, you know, you never want to be underwater on something that's losing money, being underwater and meaning, owing more than it's worth is 
going to be a lot more palatable if you're still pulling in a couple thousand a month. Yeah. And that's where you really want to find those underperforming yeah. properties yeah. where you're not, you're bang on, you're not, if you get extra appreciation, hey, <laughs> bonus, yeah. uh, but where you can really, really force that appreciation. Because we all yeah. know over time, you can literally draw a line with real estate. It always yeah. goes one way and it's up, although there are zigzags yeah. and, and we're buying whole overall investors. Um, so even if there's fluctuations, that's yep. fine, it's a bigger picture, but you're right for the refinance. How do I make sure I don't want to count on appreciation? I really want to be able to, mm-hmm. to force it because the property itself is already underperforming. Yeah. Andrew, that underwater, um, cause we get it all the time. So I just wanted to, for your sure. listeners, like the underwater thing. And I give this example all the time. Let's say I buy a building today, hundred percent finance. It's worth a million bucks, uh, on paper. It's worth a million dollars and it's cash flowing. Uh, and then tomorrow, I the market falls, the, the bottom falls out, and now it's worth, let's just make something up, it's worth $800,000 on paper. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'd, I'd rather it be worth a million or more, right? Which yeah. sucks that it's worth eight hundred. But it's not like the tenants get a notice in the mail saying, oh, by the way, the building's worth less, you can pay less yeah. rent now, right? So like it's- No, no. Where, no, no, no. And I know you yeah. know that, but that's what yeah. people ask us all the time, like, why aren't you worried? And it's like, well, I didn't negotiate just a, a 12-month deal or- like that seller that's holding the mortgage is there for three years, for five years into the term. So into the the the, the long longevity of the term. Mm-hmm. So if it falls out tomorrow, yes, I'd rather my building be worth more, but my cash flow is still there. I'm still meeting my debt. And then down the road, eventually it'll come back up. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be one, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3 when the right. that five. Yeah, no, I like yeah. that you talk about that, the underwater yeah. thing. I think it's important that listeners know that. It's kind of like examining all possibilities, right? Like you, you want to stay in the game, right? The goal is to be in the game, right? You probably, anyone who gets into this has some sort of a goal. Like they want to quit their job one day or, you know, build wealth towards retirement. And a lot of help that's going to be if your first deal, you know, you make a mistake and it makes you hate the business and you get out, right? That That's like reminiscent of my story and all the headaches that I created for myself. So I just teach head of experience that I <laughs> don't want people to re- recreate my mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was, you know, curious with all the deals that you guys do, um, a lot of, a lot of successes, what do you attribute those successes to from a tactic? Of course, mindset's probably going to be your number one answer. Um, I, I can, I can certainly assume that, uh, taking action is going to be another one. Um, but are there specific strategies that have just been, um, highly effective for you? And if so, what? Yeah, for, for me, probably, and yes, it kind of comes down to, to the mindset, but not just want to do it and, and, and taking that action piece, which are, of course, crucial, but it's also have made that decision that we will always find a solution because have we made tons and tons of mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, throughout the years. And, and uh, however, we were always very solution driven where we know that, hey, if something doesn't work out, we're, we're going to find a solution. And, and, and just having that kind of right mindset of, of, okay, maybe this one didn't work out or, okay, that's okay, because I'm, I'm going to find a different way of, of solving the issue. Mm-hmm. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> you were quiet, so now no, I'm putting you on no, the I spot. No, I was listening. Uh, and attributing success is, um, how do I say it? Well, you kind of made me think about it earlier, Andrew, as you were talking, uh, how big is your team growing and everything? And I always think back of when we started in real estate, we did not get into real estate. Like I never thought I'd have employees. I never thought I'd have a team. I never thought I'd have, be, but it's, it's, it's understanding that you need people to grow. You need to grow. Like when Mel and I had 80 doors, we literally just talked about this because we're going through another growth spurt in our team. Don't be afraid to, to have a team. And I know it's going to cost money, mm-hmm. but like when we had 70 or 80 doors and we were still self-managing, we were up to here. And we almost saw that's that this, when we were still working full time yeah, back then. Yeah. Still working full time, right? Three kids at home. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this isn't fun anymore. I don't want to buy more. But then we hired a property manager in house. And then mm-hmm. our cash flow went down, yes, because we had to pay for someone. But then our time went up and then the fun went back up. So we bought more. So now we're going through that again. So if you're out there and you're thinking uh, it's not fun, or if you're bottlenecked, and if you're the bottleneck, at some point, you're going to have to take a step back to take three steps forward. And mm-hmm. if that means hiring someone and have making less cash flow. Well, if you can create time and you can still enjoy what you're doing, uh, I think that's what if we just had this lesson again this last couple of weeks. Is yeah, evaluating as well. What, what, how are you spending your time? Is this a task? In, in the meanwhile, if I could either be doing this task or I can find my next property that's going to make mm-hmm. me tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands throughout the years. 
why shouldn't I focus on that instead? Right. So is that, is that the way that you, because a lot of people, it's the mental hurdle, right? How, how can I justify it? Right. So do you sit down in front of the, you know, Excel sheet and figure, okay, well, if I could just do one more deal because I hired them, would it be worth it? Like, how have you rationalized it to yourself? Yeah. I mean, throughout the years, it, it, that was always our motivation perhaps of, Hey, if we buy X amount of properties, I'll be able to quit my job and then they will be able to buy, to quit his job and I'll be able to buy my Escalade or my house or the cottage or those kind of things when it comes to monetary. Um, and, but it wasn't just about the things and the items, but also that freedom as well, right? So, so if, mm-hmm. if I'm able to, whatever it is, not able to, to manage my, uh, if I have a manager managing the office in Mins, for example, then that creates extra X amount of hours for myself. And I can spend that time either finding another deal or mm-hmm. just enjoying what I do is being able to get my kids after school and those kind of things. So it's yeah. a combination. Yeah. A combination of when we started was very, very strategic based on because, because of funds, right? When you start off, you yeah. only have so much funds and as you grow, it does get easier, of course. Um, but yeah, now we still kind of base it like that, but combination of, our time, what do we enjoy, what do we not enjoy as well. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And what was your most critical hire? If you think back to the last couple of years, like what, what just freed up the most time or, or created the most happiness for you by getting rid of something you didn't like? Yeah, I know. I want to see what you're going to say. Oh, there's so much. I mean, <laughs> uh, for me, I, I'd say probably our, our general manager. Oh, that was mine. Yeah, our general manager. Um, she comes from a background of a lot of provincial work, a lot of Fortune 500 work. Just she's been there, done that. And uh, when we were talking about our, not problems, but our, our roadblocks and that, she's like, you guys go do the fun stuff. I'm going to, I like this. I like taking over this kind of, she like, she's an integrator. She likes problems, right? She likes solutions. Um, so that's been a really she's big very one. good at things that are our weaknesses. So, and, and, and that's important in the hire as well is finding somebody, for example, Dave always thinks big and, and is very creative and finding somebody who, okay, who can help us implement all these kind of ideas and make sure the books are in order and all yeah. these different things that come along. Yeah. Yeah. The complimenting thing is, is big. I feel like I can do a lot of different jobs. So it's, it's really about what do I enjoy? And I th- I'm sure you guys have, have had that too, right? Like you've picked the part of the, the business that you enjoy doing and you're sticking to that. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Well, even between the two of us now, our day-to-day tasks, we don't work on the same things anymore. At first, when we started, I think there was that confidence. It, it felt We felt better analyzing each deal together and working on each project together. But now we definitely, Dave has his lane, his specialty, I have mine, and we divide and conquer. And of course, we'll have conversations. But uh, yeah, exactly. What am I okay. good at? And what do I enjoy doing? And what am I not so good at? And I want to um, get rid of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And from like day to day basis, what are each of you working on the average day? Well, just to, like literally today. So the general manager and I met with uh, BDO Mexico, right. To talk about how we're going to use the treaty and use there's two different types of corporations that we can create there, two different types of entities. And if we're going to use our Canadian or U S so myself, the accountant in Mexico and the general manager doing that. And I know Mel trusts me to do all that stuff. And I, I love that stuff. I love mm-hmm. hearing it. And then just before we hopped on with you, Mel was meeting with uh, the marketing team, the virtual assistants, all that, making sure mm-hmm. that everything is running with social. So, and then even that we had, we went to the gym together this morning. We have a gym in one of our buildings. So we did that together, did BDO, did the, the, the accounting, did marketing, now we're doing you. I'm doing deal analysis after we get off the phone. I think you're you're meeting mm-hmm. with Don, the GM. So it's just a whole bunch of different yeah. things, right? So still doing what we love. Just I trust her to run the yeah. social media, the everything, and she trusts me to talk to the accountants. So yeah. it's fun. What do you have your uh, your VAs doing? Are they local VAs? Like, are they in Ontario or are they foreign? No, they're foreign. Um, we have office admins as well here in the office that help with with so much. Um, our VAs uh, virtually they help with with everything from two in Mexico uh, and two in Brazil. Yeah, uh, yes. a lot of a lot of social media helping with that. Um, the quality control as well, booking appointments for us, making sure that if I send a bio to somebody that it gets done. So a lot of mm. uh, helping with our own calendar managing that. A lot of social media. Part of the team. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. People see investor Mel and Dave, and yes, we're investor Mel and Dave, but 
we're not just investor mail day. We have a very large team that that helps us, and and it really is all of us that's able to do this together. Because I we couldn't do it there; we just wouldn't have been able to to do it and enjoy our lives and and our kids while they're young um, if it yeah. wasn't for the team. Yeah, oh, I love to hear that delegating is such an important part of a, of a business, and, and I'm glad to see. It's not easy at first, right? No, you, you can go, I, I want to do it. I want the that ego. <laughs> Put it aside. Eh? It is yeah. ego it's and wanting to control things and yeah. exactly. Just, and is there little yeah. things perhaps sometimes, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, that's what makes us human, and and we fix it and we adjust yeah. systems and, and go from there. All right. So uh, just before we wrap up, if people wanted to follow you, where should we send them? Yeah, well, we're all over social media. So whether it's YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, Twitter, it's always Investor Mel Dave. So all our channels are always Investor Mel Dave. Investor Mel Dave. Okay. I'll uh, include some of that in the show notes just so people can find you. And um, just parting words of wisdom you'd want to leave people with uh, before we go. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something that's not typically said. Um, I'm going to butcher this saying, but it's so true. Don't listen to naysayers. Like, uh, uh, what is it again? The lion's not worried about the sheep's what the sheep thinks yeah. or whatever that is. Just yeah. don't listen to naysayers. And then the other one, like the yeah. eagles fly alone. Like when people are telling you don't do it, are they doing it? Are they where you want yeah. to be? No, don't listen to them. Let them complain. Yeah. Let yeah. them let them exhaust themselves. Water. Just do your thing. And yeah. to kind of add on a little bit to this, I would say think bigger. Think mm-hmm. bigger. Whatever you think, if you're thinking, I, I can only buy a duplex or I only want to do this, and, and maybe that's your comfort level for today, but people are doing this. I mean, look at you, Andrew. You're doing amazing yeah. things. Uh, we've been able to grow our portfolio. We're, we're going worldwide. We're doing all these things. But we're, at the end of the day, very regular people. We're, we're moms or dads. And set yourself some big goals because it's so exciting to to do that. And once you are able to spend more and more time doing what you love, um, to me, that's what success is. It's not about yeah. the money. It's being able to spend your time doing what you enjoy. I couldn't agree more. It's all about the time, right? You can't, you can't yes. buy your time back. You gotta, yeah, you gotta make sure you're doing what you enjoy because life's too short, yeah. too short to be doing what you don't want to do. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It was great to catch up with you again. Uh, I'm sure I said this before, but I would, yeah, I would love to come up and just kind of like be a fly on the wall with you guys for a day. And just, I'm so fascinated. It would be awesome to exchange ideas, stuff. It'd be so much fun to chat. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe one of these times when I'm up headed up to North Bay, I'll uh, <laughs> drop you off. Before the snow, yes. uh, the snow comes, we'll, we'll go take a take a ride on the snowmobile. We'll go for a oh, see, the, give me some sun. incentives there. All right, there you go. Okay, yeah, sounds no, good. We'd love that as well. That'd be awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, let's definitely stay in touch, and uh, we'll look forward to the the next update too. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks, everyone for listening as well. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. (laughs) 